0: Section 8 of The Begum's Fortune by Jules Verne, translated by W. H. G. Kingston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 The Dragon's Den. The reader who has followed the progress of our young Alsatian's fortune will probably not be much surprised to find him at the end of a few weeks firmly established in Herr Schultz's favor, the two had become inseparable. They worked together, they ate and walked together, and together they sat smoking over their foaming glasses of beer. The ex-professor of Gina had never before met with a co-adjutor so entirely after his own heart one who caught his meaning with half a word, and who could so rapidly utilize his theoretical ideas. Max not merely possessed transcendent merit in all branches of the profession. He was, besides, the most charming companion, the most diligent worker, the most modestly fertile inventor. Herr Schultz was delighted with him— ten times a day he said to himself what a treasure what a pearl this fellow is the truth was that max had at the first glance seen through the character of his formidable patron and perceiving that blind and insatiable vanity was its leading feature he regulated his conduct by humoring the egotism which he despised. In a few days the young man had acquired such skill in the fingering necessary for this human keyboard that he could play upon Schultz as easily as one plays on a piano. His tactics merely consisted in exhibiting his own merits to advantage, but always in such a way as to leave an opening for his master to show superiority over him for instance when he finished a drawing he would leave it perfect with the exception of some slight fault as easy to see as to correct and this the ex-professor immediately and exultantly pounced upon had he some theoretical idea he caused it so to open out in the course of conversation that herr schultz might fancy that he himself had originated it sometimes he even went further boldly saying i have traced that plan of a vessel with the detached ram which you asked for i returned herr schultz who had never dreamt of such a thing why yes you don't mean to say you have forgotten a detached ram which will leave a spindle-shaped torpedo in the enemy's side to burst after an interval of three minutes i had not the least recollection of it that comes of having a head like mine it is so full of inventive genius that i forget my own ideas and herr schultz conscientiously pocketed the credit of the new invention Perhaps, after all, he was only half duped by this artifice. In his innermost heart he probably felt that Max was stronger than he. But by one of those mysterious workings, which go on in the human brain, he was contented with the appearance of superiority as long as he could delude his subordinate. But the fellow must be an ass, after all, in spite of his cleverness." He would sometimes say to himself with a silent laugh which showed all the thirty-two dominoes in his jaw his vanity if ever wounded was soon consoled by the reflection that he alone in all the world could carry out these inventions and ideas they would have been of no value but for his gold after all max was only part of the mechanism which he schultz had set going etc etc yet although in high favour max was never taken into the professor's confidence and after five months sojourn in the bull tower he knew little more than at first of its mysteries his suspicions had become certainties and that was all he was now convinced that stalstadt contained a secret and that herr schultz had some aim far beyond that of gain the nature of his occupations rendered the supposition that he had invented some perfectly new engine of warfare extremely probable but the enigma had still to be solved max at last came to the conclusion that it would be impossible to obtain the knowledge he sought without coming to some crisis and this he resolved to provoke. It was after dinner on the evening of the 5th of September, exactly a year since he had found the body of his little friend Karl in the Albrecht pit. Outside, the long, severe American winter already covered the country with its white mantle, but in the park of stallstadt the temperature was as warm as during June, and the snow melting before it touched the ground fell in rain instead of flakes those sausages and sauerkraut were delicious were they not remarked herr schultz whose love of his favorite dish was unaffected by the biggum's millions delicious returned max who had heroically partaken of this mess every evening till at last he hated the very sight of it his feelings on this subject decided him at once to carry his meditated project into execution i wonder resumed herr schultz with a sigh how people who have neither sausages nor sauerkraut nor beer can endure existence life must be one long misery to them replied max it would really be a charity to unite all mankind with the Fatherland." well well that will come that will come exclaimed the king of steel here we are already installed in the heart of america just let us take an island or two in the neighborhood of japan and you will see in what a few strides we shall get round the globe The footman now brought in the pipes. Herr Schultz filled and lighted his. Max had purposely determined to make use of this moment of supreme bliss. So began, after a few minutes, silence. I must say that I don't quite believe in this conquest. What conquest? asked Herr Schultz, who had forgotten what was the topic of conversation. The conquest of the world by the Germans the ex-professor thought he had not heard correctly you do not believe in the conquest of the world by the germans no oh indeed that is something strange i am curious to know the reasons for your doubt simply because the french artillerymen will end by doing better and will far surpass you the swiss my fellow-countrymen who know them well, are firmly convinced that a forewarned Frenchman is worth two Germans. The lesson of 1870 will be repeated against those who gave it. No one doubts this in my little country, sir, and if I may venture to say so, it is the opinion of the cleverest men in England. Max had uttered these words in a cool, dry, and decisive tone, which, if it were possible, doubled the effect of the point-blank blasphemy herr schultz glared wildly his astonishment almost choked him then the blood rushed to his face with such violence that the young man feared for a moment he had gone too far however seeing that rage had not stifled his victim and that he would not die of the shock this time he resumed Yes, it is annoying to think of, but it's the fact. Although our rivals make no noise about it, yet they are working. Do you think they have learnt nothing since the war? Whilst we are stupidly trying to increase the weight of our cannon, you may be certain that they are preparing something new, and that we shall see what it is on the very first opportunity. Something new, something new, stammered Herr Schultz. "'We are doing that too, sir.' "'Ah, yes, in a way. We are making in steel what our predecessors made in bronze, that's all. We double the proportions and the range of our pieces.' "'Double!' exclaimed Herr Schultz in a tone which signified. "'Indeed, we do better than double.' "'In short,' resumed Max, "'we are mere plagiarists.' see here the truth is we lack any genius for inventing we discover nothing and the french do and will you may be sure herr schultz had become outwardly at least rather calmer though his trembling lips and the paleness which had succeeded the apoplectic crimson betrayed the agitated state of his mind must he endure such a pitch of humiliation to be the far-famed schultz the absolute master of the greatest manufactory and cannon foundry in the whole world to have kings and parliaments at his feet and then to be told by an insignificant swiss draughtsman that he lacked invention that he was below a french gunner and all this when he had close to him on the other side of a plated wall something which would a thousand times confound the impudent rascal shut him up completely and sweep away all his idiotic arguments no it was not to be endured herr schultz rose so abruptly that he broke his pipe then Casting at Max a glance full of irony, he hissed out from between his set teeth. "'Follow me, sir, for I am about to show you whether I, Herr Schultz, have any lack of invention.' Max had played high, but had won, thanks to the surprise his bold and unexpected language had produced, and the passion he had aroused.' vanity being stronger than prudence with the ex-professor schultz was now eager to lay open his secret he led the way with a hurried step into his study closed the door carefully and walking straight up to the bookcase touched a panel immediately an opening concealed by the rows of books appeared in the wall this was the entrance to a narrow passage leading by a stone staircase to the very foot of the bowl tower there an oaken door was opened by means of a little key which never left the possession of the master of the place a second door appeared fastened with a padlock similar to those used for strong boxes herr schultz threw open the heavy iron barrier protected within by a complicated apparatus of explosive machinery, which Max, actuated by professional curiosity, would have much liked to examine, but his guide left him no time to do so. The two men then found themselves before a third door, without any apparent lock or bolt, which yielded to a slight push, given, however, in a particular way. This third barrier passed. Herr Schultz and his companion climbed an iron staircase of two hundred steps and arrived at the summit of the bull-tower, overlooking all the city of Stolstadt. In the center of a sort of casement, pierced with numerous embrasures, stood a steel cannon. "'There!' exclaimed the professor, who had not uttered a word since they left the dining-room. It was the most enormous piece of ordnance Max had ever beheld, a breech loader of at least three hundred tons, its mouth measured nearly five feet in diameter. Mounted on a steel carriage and running on rails of the same metal, it might have been maneuvered by a child, so easy were all its movements made, by a system of cogged wheels. A spring, fixed at the back of the carriage, had the effect of annulling the recoil, or at least producing a perfectly equal reaction, so that after each shot, the gun returned to its first position. And what may be the perforating power of this piece? asked Max, who could not restrain his admiration. At twenty thousand yards, we can pierce a 40 Inch plate as easily as if it were a slice of bread and butter, and its range, its range cried Schultz enthusiastically. Ha, ha ha, you said just now that our imitative genius had done nothing more than double the range of former guns. Well, with this fellow, I would undertake to send. With tolerable precision, a projectile to the distance of thirty miles. Thirty miles, cried Max. Thirty miles. What new powder can you use? Ah, I can tell you everything now, replied Herr Schultz in a peculiar tone. There is no inconvenience in revealing my secrets to you. Large grained powder has served its time. Gun cotton. Is what I use its expensive power is four times that of ordinary power, and I increase it fivefold by mixing with it eight-tenths of its weight of nitrate of potash, but observed Max, no piece though made of the best steel could stand that long after four or five shots. Your cannon will be impaired and soon become useless if it were only to fire one shot, that one would be sufficient. It would be an expensive one. It would cost a million, for that is the net cost of the gun. One shot worth a million. What matter? So that it destroyed a thousand millions. A thousand millions, cried Max however he restrained the mingled horror and admiration with which this fearful agent of destruction inspired him and added it is assuredly a wonderful and astonishing piece of artillery but notwithstanding its merits it bears out my theory there are improvements certainly but it is all imitation no invention no invention responded herr Schultz shrugging his shoulders i repeat that i have now no secrets from you come with me the king of steel and his companion then left the casement and descended to a lower story by means of a hydraulic lift here lay a large number of long objects cylindrical in shape which might from a distance have been taken for dismounted cannon there are our shells, said Herr Schultz. This time Max was obliged to acknowledge that they resembled nothing he had ever seen before. They were enormous tubes, six feet in length and three in diameter, sheathed in lead in such a way as to fit into the rifling of the gun, closed behind by a steel plate, and the point, finished off by a steel tip, supplied with a percussion-button. Nothing in their appearance indicated the special nature of these shells, though Max felt that in them was contained some terrible element of destruction, surpassing all that had ever before been made or thought of. "'Can you not guess?' asked Herr Schultz, seeing that his companion remained silent. "'Indeed no, sir,' why would you want a shell so long and so heavy in appearance at least the appearance is deceitful answered herr schultz and there is no great difference in their weight to that of an ordinary shell of the same calibre come i must tell you everything a fusy shell of glass encased in oak charged with liquid carbonic acid by seventy atmospheres of interior pressure The fall provokes the explosion of the case and the return of the liquid to a gaseous state. An enormous volume of carbonic acid gas rushes into the air, and a cold of a hundred degrees below zero seizes upon the surrounding atmosphere. Every living thing within a radius of thirty yards from the center of the explosion is at once frozen, and suffocated i say thirty yards as the lowest calculation but the action would really extend much farther say to a hundred or a couple of hundred yards another capital thing about it is that the carbonic acid gas remaining a very long time near the ground by reason of its weight being greater than that of air will preserve the dangerous properties of the zone for many hours after the first explosion, so that any creature which may attempt to enter or pass through it must infallibly perish. The effect of that shot will be both instantaneous and lasting. Besides, with my plan, there will be no wounded, only dead." herr schultz displayed manifest pleasure in exhibiting the merits of his invention his good humour had returned he was flushed with pride and his teeth gleamed you are to imagine he resumed a sufficient number of my pieces of ordnance directed against a besieged town supposing one sufficient for the destruction of a place of two acres and a half in extent Then, for a town of 2,500 acres, we must have a hundred batteries, each consisting of ten suitable guns. Now, let us suppose all our guns in position, the weather calm and favorable, the general signal given by an electric wire. In a minute, there would not be a single living being remaining in an extent of 2,500 acres." the town would be submerged in a regular ocean of carbonic acid gas. The idea occurred to me last year on reading the medical report of the accidental death of a little miner in the Ulbrecht pit. I had the first inspiration at Naples when I visited the dog grotto, but that last fact was needed to put the finishing stroke to my thought you comprehend the principle do you not an artificial ocean of pure carbonic acid now the proportion of a fifth of this gas would be sufficient to render the air unbreathable max did not utter a word he was regularly struck dumb herr schultz felt his triumph so keenly that he did not wish to take advantage of it there is only one detail which troubles me said he And what can that be? asked Max. That I have not succeeded in suppressing the sound of the explosion. It makes my gun too much like a common cannon. Just think of what it would be if I could manage to have a silent shot. Sudden death comes noiselessly upon a hundred thousand men at once on some calm and serene night the enchanting prospect thus called up threw herr schultz into a brown study from this reverie which was but a deep immersion in a bath of self-love he was aroused by max observing very good sir very good but a thousand guns of this description mean time and money money we are overflowing with it time time is ours. And indeed, this German, the last of his school, believed what he said. Well, replied Max, your shell, loaded with carbonic acid, is not perfectly new after all, for it is derived from those suffocating projectiles which have been known for many years. But that it may be eminently destructive, I do not deny. Only, only... It is light for its size and if it is ever projected thirty miles it is only made to go six answered herr schultz smiling but he added pointing to another shell here is one of steel this fellow is full and contains a hundred little guns symmetrically arranged fitted one into the other like the parts of a telescope having been fired as projectiles they will become cannon to vomit forth in their turn little shells loaded with incendiary matter it will be a whole battery hurled through space to carry flame and death into a town by covering it with a shower of inextinguishable fire this has the requisite weight to go the thirty miles of which i spoke in a short time a trial of it will be made in such a way that unbelievers may go if they like and handle the hundred thousand corpses which it will have stretched on the ground here the dominoes gleamed so intolerably in herr schultz's mouth that max felt a strong desire to smash in a dozen or so of them but contained himself He had not yet heard all herr schultz resumed i have said that a decisive experiment is shortly to be made how where cried max how with one of these shells which thrown by my gun from the platform will cross the cascade mountains where there exists a city separated from us by at most thirty miles upon whose inhabitants it will come like a thunderclap, for even if they expected it, they could not ward it off or escape the startling effects. This is now the 5th of September. Well, on the 13th, at a quarter before midnight, Frankville will disappear from off American soil The burning of Sodom will be rivaled. Professor Schultz, in his turn, will let loose the fires of heaven. At this unexpected declaration, Max felt the blood curdle in his veins. Fortunately, Herr Schultz did not perceive his agitation. Now, you see, he continued in an easy tone, we act just contrary to the founders of Frankville we search for the secret of abridging the lives of men, whilst they seek to lengthen them. However, everything has an object in nature, and Dr. Saracen, by founding that isolated city, has, without suspecting it, placed a most magnificent field of experiments within my reach. Max could scarcely believe his ears. But, said he and the involuntary tremor in his voice attracted for a moment the attention of the king of steel the inhabitants of frankville have done nothing to you sir you have not so far as i know any reason for picking a quarrel with them my dear fellow replied herr schultz in your brain though well organized in other respects there is a fund of celtic ideas which would do you much injury were you to live long enough right good evil are purely relative and quite conventional words nothing is positive but the grand laws of nature the law of competition has the same claim as that of gravitation It is folly to resist, while to submit and follow in the way it points out is only wise and reasonable, and therefore I mean to destroy Dr. Saracen's city. Thanks to my cannon, my fifty thousand Germans will easily make an end of the hundred thousand dreamers over there who now constitute a group condemned to perish." seeing that an attempt to argue with herr schultz would be useless max did not try to soften him the two then left the shell-chamber closed the secret doors and returned to the dining-room in the coolest most natural way the professor again lifted his tankard to his lips touched a bell called for a pipe in the place of the one he had broken and then addressing the footman are arminius and sigimer there he asked. Yes, sir. Tell them to remain within call. When the servant had left the room, the King of Steel turned to Max and looked him full in the face. The latter's eyes did not quail before that look of almost metallic hardness. You mean really, said he, to put your project into execution. Really? I know the situation and the latitude and longitude of Frankfurt to the 10th of a second, and on the 13th of September, at a quarter before midnight, it will cease to be. Perhaps you ought to have kept this plan an absolute secret. My dear fellow, answered Herr Schultz, decidedly your mind never would become logical. This makes me regret the less that you must die young." at these words max started up is it possible you do not understand added herr schultz coldly that i never speak of my plans but before those who cannot repeat them the bell rang arminius and sigimer two giants appeared at the door you wish to know my secret said herr schultz you do know it Nothing remains for you now but to die. Max did not reply. You are too intelligent, resumed Herr Schultz. To suppose that I can let you live, now that you know all about my plans, that would be an act of unpardonable carelessness. That would be illogical. The greatness of my aim forbids me to compromise its success for the consideration of a relative value so trifling as the life of a man— even of such a man as you my dear fellow whose good cerebral organization i most particularly esteem now i truly regret that a little movement of self-love should have carried me away and placed me under the necessity of suppressing you but you must understand that in the face of the interest to which i have devoted myself there can be no question of sentiment i may as well tell you now that it was for having penetrated my secret that your predecessor met his death, and not by an explosion of dynamite. The rule is strict. It must be inflexible. I can alter nothing. Max looked at Herr Schultz. He understood by the sound of his voice, by the unrelenting obstinacy of that bold head, that he was lost. He did not give himself the trouble of uttering a word of protest. When and by what death shall I die?' he merely asked. "'Don't be uneasy about that,' replied Herr Schultz composedly. "'You will die, but suffering will be spared you. You will not wake up some morning. That is all.' At a sign from the King of Steel, Max found himself led away and shut into his room, the door of which was guarded by the two giants." But when he found himself alone, he thought with a shudder of agony and rage, of the doctor, his relations, compatriots, all those whom he loved. The death which awaits me is nothing, he said to himself. But how am I to avert the danger which threatens them? End of Section 8